This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Glad to be here again to worship with you. And here we are again, part two of the Tim and Scott show. Just beginning this journey that we call interim ministry. It is a, indeed a time of discovery, a time of reflection, a time of discernment, seeking God's preferred future for this beloved community called Old South Presbyterian Church in beautiful Newburyport, Massachusetts. I've been coming down this past week to the office, and I'll be here mostly on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I love walking around this village. My goodness, what a beautiful, wonderful place. See the water nearby. I'm finally figuring out why the newsletter is called Periscope. I get it, I get it. And the one thing that I constantly remind churches in the midst of transitional ministry is that God has already chosen the next called pastor of Old South. And the trick for us in this time of transition is to figure that out. I got to meet some of you in August, and I am so glad to be here for a while with you, working together with Tim. It's truly a gift to share in partnership together here. And in case you are wondering who this guy is, I'm gonna give you just a really quick intro if you miss me in August. My name is Scott Allen DeBlock, and I was born a long time ago in a land far, far away called Patterson, New Jersey. (laughs) The youngest of Betty and Bob DeBlock. Betty was an immigrant here from the Netherlands. She came here in 1926 at the age of four. And my father's first generation Dutchman in America who owned a dry cleaners in River Edge, New Jersey. So I grew up in a dry cleaners, so I know how to iron shirts. I was named after two of the original Mercury 7 astronauts. Any guesses? Scott and Alan. Scott Carpenter. Alan Shepard. I had patriotic parents for some reason. I had no idea. Which is ironic because I am married to a rocket scientist. My wife Heidi is a critical care physician and has been doing work with NASA uh, since 1990 and she gets to pick and prod astronauts once they come back. That's a whole other story in itself. She brings greetings this morning. She's a critical care physician working at Stevens Memorial Hospital in Norway, Maine today. So she's the real doctor to block in in the family. Being born and raised in New Jersey, Bruce Springsteen speaks to my soul. And yes, indeed, as you know, being born in northern New Jersey, I am a Yankees fan, but Heidi is a Red Sox fan, so we balance that each other out in our lives, and we're not talking to each other this weekend. (laughs) Anybody happen to see the Grand Slam by Stanton yesterday? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you bet you hope this year goes by real fast, I know. 
We have three grown daughters spread throughout the world, two in Washington, D.C., one in Oxford, England, that we just got to visit for a little while. And Heidi and I spend most of our lives just trying to figure out where in the world our daughters are. And yes, I have been a minister of Word and Sacrament for 33 years. After 19 years as senior pastor at Niskin Reformed Church near Albany, New York, God and God's amazing sense of humor called me to embrace servant leadership as an interim pastor. I get the privilege to join people like Tim and you to come alongside congregations for a while and join them in that process of discovery and discernment. And one of the key discoveries is that aha experience that each and every one of us gathered here at home throughout the world, people of this beloved community of Old South, all of us are servant leaders. Which finally gets us to our second reading this morning. For we continue our journey this morning through the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Spirit. I did listen last week, Tim. It really is the Acts of the Spirit, this book. As we continue our journey, which points to our chosenness. Acts 1, verses 12 through 26. It's found on page 102 and 103 in your pew Bibles. Let us continue to listen for God's word. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. In those days, Peter stood among the believers. Together, the crowd numbered about 120 persons and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. This became known to all the residents of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their language Halkedema, that is, a field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his homestead become desolate and let there be no one to live in it and let one another take his position of overseer. So, Peter goes on, one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken from us, one of these, must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed two. Joseph called Barsabbas, 
who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship, which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now I know there are some of you in this place that might want me to focus on gushing bowels. <laughs> but I will not do so. Again, that's the other Dr. DeBlanc. Instead, we need to look at prayer and purpose, chosenness, the disciples have just witnessed the ascension. They've been told that they will be witnesses to the ends of the earth. They return to that upper room, and they must be thinking, what in the world are we going to do now? Exactly. Jesus has challenged them to not just sit there, but do something. Pray and persevere. Be my witnesses. There's that word again. Witnesses. Don't give up on the world, but embrace it. Take it on. Don't run from it. And be my witnesses to the resurrection to offer glimpses of the kingdom of God in the present. New Testament theologian N.T. Wright, now at Oxford University, says, never at any point in the Gospels or Paul does it say that Jesus has been raised, therefore we're all going to heaven. They all say Jesus has been raised, therefore a new creation has begun, and we have a job to do. So instead of sitting and waiting to abandon the earth for someplace better, we, as followers of the risen Lord, should advance rather than abandon the earth. And as Scott Sunquist reminds us in his book, Why Church? Jesus chooses the vehicle of the church and us, all of us, as his witnesses to the world. Yes, the ascension must been, have been a stunning spectacle to see, but more amazing than Christ's departure was the unlikely lot to whom he left his mission. Just look at that crew sitting in the upper room praying for guidance. They grew up gathering and cleaning fish and collecting taxes, not religious leaders among them. They misunderstood parables, fought over who was going to be the greatest, denied him in the last days. Humanly speaking, perhaps maybe these disciples weren't the most qualified for the position description. 
But yes, as that old saying goes, God doesn't call the qualified, God qualifies the called. Yep, all of us. All of us are called and empowered to be servant leaders. And indeed, there is a little Jeremiah in all of us. I had little Sunday school, little lady Sunday school teachers at Second Reformed in Wyckoff, New Jersey saying, you'll make a great minister someday. And I just went, no, not me. I'm just a boy. And there they were watching me get ordained and installed on July 15, 1988, and they're going, ha, ha, ha. But we all have those excuses, don't we? No, not me. I'm only, you can fill in the blank with your own excuse. You imagine Barsabbas and Matthias sitting there thinking, pick the other guy. But it takes all of us. It takes all of us to reflect the glory and love and power and grace of our risen and ascended Lord. It's on all of us. The sharing of God's love is all of our responsibility, not just on the next pastor you're going to call. You can't wait on that. Interim ministry, transitional ministry, requires all of us to take part We'll be forming a transition team to look at who we are, where we're going. We're going to do a a wonderful survey called the CAT, the Church Church Assessment Tool. And you're going to see little cats all over the place. I have two cats, Martin Luther and Gertrude. Martin Luther, Martin Luther is Martin Luther. I've had cats named after theologians, John Calvin, John Knox, and now it's Martin Luther. And, And believe it or not, Luther does not match... Luther the person. Luther is, is just this wonderful, lovable person. And remember, Martin Luther always being stern and dour. But, and Gertrude is the patron saint of cats. And we have cats all over the place. So, but the cat is the church assessment tool. So you might see pictures of cats around here. All of us are going to be asked to participate of who we are. We're going to find out what are our values? What are those things we hold dear as a congregation? And based upon those values, what is God calling us to be and do and serve in Newburyport? And we need everyone to participate and be servant leaders in that process. So Tim and I are going to be badgering you in the next couple of weeks. Trust me. But it's just about a reminder that we are all witnesses, and it's on all of us to share in that joy with others as a beloved community. And we can do that, and we can embrace our servant leadership because we know through prayer and by grace and through faith that we are not alone. We have the big help. As Pentecost Christians, as Tim will talk about next week, we have been given the power of the Spirit alive and at work through us. That means our own perceived limitations, our own Jeremiah-like excuses in us 
need not stand in the way because the Lord touches our lips with the Spirit and guides our hands to live it out in faith. And that reminds us of one more thing. We are in partnership and we need each other. The choosing of Matthias is a reminder that all of us are chosen and all of us have a role to play in embracing our sentness as apostles. Did you hear that key word for the first time there? I just realized in Acts, they use the word apostleship. That word means those who are sent. It's the very meaning of the word church, ecclesia, those sent. We can't just do, we can't just sit there. Where do we see God working in and through us right here and right now? Writer Jim Love tells the story of a young guest minister who provided church pulpit supply at one church for a few weeks in a row. And each time he was greeted at the end of the worship by a frail man who would come up to him and greet the pastor and say, and say to him, how are you carrying it today, pastor? And not knowing what he meant by this, he just would simply answer, oh, I'm fine, it's fine. Eventually, curiosity got the best of the young preacher, so he asked the, young, the old man's wife what the greeting might be, what, what it would mean. And she goes, oh, he's just wondering how you're carrying the cross. He wonders how you're carrying the burden today. Jim Love goes on to say that by the cross, the old man didn't mean the problems that come with our own life. We have those. He means the cross we choose to bear. He means some else's burden that we choose to share. He means laying down our own problems in order to pick up someone else's pain. So people of Old South, how are we carrying it today? How are we embracing our servant leadership and being witnesses for and the embodiment of the risen and ascended Lord right here in this beautiful place called Newburyport and beyond. For as the great poet from up I-95 and Portland native, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow once wrote, let us then be up and doing with a heart for any fate, still achieving, still pursuing, Learn to labor and to wait. How stereotypical it is for a pastor to end with a poem. But they work. Together, let's learn to labor and to wait. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. 
If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.